Hello and welcome back to my podcast that has the world's lamest intro that I still need to work on because it is lame and my podcast often goes MIA and Milo is yelling at me in the background. I'm not sure if my phone would pick that up, but apparently they are hungry. So anyways, sorry for disappearing off of the face of the earth recently. As most of you guys know, I was in Kentucky with George, my off-the-track thoroughbred, for the thoroughbred makeover. So I was quite busy with that. And then when I got back these last few weeks, I've been trying to catch up on clients and work a bunch because obviously Kentucky was expensive and I lost a week of work when I was out there. So it's just been hectic and I haven't had time to add to the podcast, nor have I really had an idea of what I even wanted to do in an episode if I were to make one. But finally, I am here. I am back and I'm here with a vengeance. I'm going to do a podcast today on getting a job as a horse trainer and just kind of all about that because there's a lot of misconceptions and I see it all the time in my comments on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. People kind of have the most idealistic outlook on training horses and what it would be like if they were to get that job or alternatively They think that being a professional trainer is some sort of elusive job that only the absolute top-of-the-top professionals do, and as a result, they are just total brat jerk faces to people, and they're like, you're not a professional because you ride green horses and you're not jumping a meter 20 on them like real trainers do, that kind of thing, which is also a misconception because it's such a load of crap that you have to be at that level to be working as a professional. And also, if that were the case, anyone who doesn't have a horse that's at that level or needs to learn how to get to that level literally wouldn't be able to find a trainer. So anyways, um, enough rambling. I'll get into this. Okay, so I suppose I'll start off what is sure to be an absolute mess of my rambling self. I'll start it off with just talking about what I get accomplished in a day and kind of just what my day training horses looks like. Currently, I am working today. Um, This podcast is work. Making YouTube videos, arranging filming, editing them, all of that I would include in work. However, my work days don't usually have that going on during the day. I decided to make a podcast today because I'm waiting for the farrier to get here to put shoes on some of my clients' horses, and I have to hold them. So I had a window that was long enough to make a podcast, but not long enough to go and ride the rest of the horses that I need to ride today, and not long enough to clip Milo, who is yelling at me from the field today, right now, staring at me because he thinks he deserves more food. So anyways... When I have gaps in my day like that, I try to fill them with like making blog blog posts, editing YouTube videos, and just kind of doing the mishmash of stuff that I either have to do at the end of my day when I'm tired normally, or just simply do not get done. So anyways, today um, it's like almost 1 p.m. I was lazy today. I got up later, but I did groundwork with one client horse. Um, and had to travel to her farm to do that. And then after that, I traveled to another client's place and rode two horses. And then the rest of my day is looking at, I'm going to be riding Milo at my own place. Then on another client horse at my own place. And then I'm hoping that I'll have time to go to two more clients, one place to ride two horses, and the other place to ride three. 
yesterday was a pretty busy day and I actually got started on time. So what a busy day looks like for me for half the week. Um, what I did yesterday is I drove to one client's house and rode their two horses um, and they're in full training. So I work with them four times a week. And then from there, I drove to another client's horse and rode their two horses who aren't in full training. I kind of just ride them on an as-needed basis. Usually, we try to do it at least once a week, but since it's an outdoor arena, it's kind of weather-dependent since her arena doesn't hold very well up in the rain. So anyways, I rode those two horses, and then I drove further out to my trainer's place to work there where I rode three horses, did some lessons, with my trainer and then drive back. So driving to my trainer's place is pretty time consuming on days where I have to do that. It's like an hour and a half worth of driving round trip. So that uses up a lot of time. Um, So anyways, from my trainer's place, I drove to another client and rode their three horses um, and that was on my way home. So then after that, I came home and I lunged Milo and then that was it for my day. Generally speaking, I try to get anywhere from like 7 to 10 horses done on a typical day. If I'm working locally and all the horses are within the same area, it's definitely a lot easier to actually achieve that. But when there's lots of driving involved, it does get pretty hectic. So honestly, like 90% of my day is spent driving or sitting on a horse. Um, Unless I'm doing groundwork, then it's spent standing beside a horse. And that's kind of like what it looks like. It's quite busy and it's very physical. So I'm often exhausted when I'm finished. Um, But obviously like working with horses is fun and that's great. But that's kind of my typical day. I ride a lot of young and green horses. So not all of them are super well behaved. More recently, I've gotten some more trained horses in that need refreshers. So they know their stuff and they're pretty easygoing. And I get to play with more complex things with them which is a lot of fun but generally speaking my focus as a trainer is usually with breaking horses to ride or producing green horses and getting them going more and more in a more trained direction and kind of just helping work towards finishing them and now obviously during racing season I also have to factor in galloping into my day and that usually happens in the early mornings which works out quite well because most of my clients either aren't around that early because they don't want to get up or I just get to pick when I go and arrange my own schedule because they're not around anyways. So for galloping during racing season I go there and that's the first thing I do every day and then I go to my clients afterwards. And Yeah, like I said, a lot of my time is spent driving because I have to go to farms. So that definitely takes up time. I would be able to get through more horses if they were all in the same place. But obviously, that's not how things are. So it makes things a little more difficult. But anyways, so most of the horses I'm working with right now, I'm just doing flat work with. I don't have a lot of jumpers in right now because the horses that are jumpers aren't fit for jumping yet. So they need to get in better shape before I can reasonably start asking them to jump. Um, so we're doing a lot of dressage work. I hack some of my clients' horses quite often um, because they need to do hill work and kind of build up their hind ends. And also some of them were herd bound, so they need to go out and hack by themselves to get over that herd boundness. So training, generally speaking, is working on like the foundational levels of dressage, um, doing groundwork or hacking them out right now. That's kind of what it looks like. And then for the more experienced horses, we're doing a little bit more, but since they're 
unfit right now. I'm not asking them super high demands and trying to get them to do the dressage stuff that they were trained to do before they lost fitness. So anyways, I have like my set clients that I see weekly. Some of them I don't see every week because again, it's just when I can fit them into my schedule, they're not in full training. But as a whole, I probably have like 15 to 20 horses that I'm riding on a semi-frequent basis. And then I have a couple of groundwork horses that aren't ready to be ridden because they're too young or they're not started yet. So most of what I do is riding and then I do groundwork too, obviously, if I'm starting horses under saddle or if the owner is just looking for groundwork done. Um, and then I have to work around my clients' availability, so sometimes weeks get messed up because um, some of my clients like to be around to watch or they just don't want me working horses without someone on the property just for liability's sake. So with private properties that are just houses, that's obviously more of a problem. So I have to work my schedule around them. And that's basically what I do. This is getting really rambly and boring. But yeah, so that's kind of what I'm doing during a day. Um, and contrary to what a lot of people on social media think, not everything I do is getting posted to social media because oftentimes I am riding alone or I'm just simply not having people film me. Um, so like I don't post most of the horses I work with to social media or if I do it might just be like a quick story post here or there um I'm not posting about the vast majority of them to my social media nor do I really feel the need to um I find it weird that the assumption from some people online is that if something is really happening I would be posting about it um (laughs) From where I stand, it's just, it's way more work to try to get photos and videos and be posting them of all my clients when I'm riding like seven, ten horses a day. Um, It just adds so much more to my plate. And also like for clients, because a lot of people on social media don't have social graces and have no self-control, I don't really love posting all my clients' horses on social media frequently Um, because people are so frequently just rude little turds online and I don't really think it's fair to subject clients to that with their beloved little horses. Um, But yeah, so like my life outside of social media obviously isn't everything that you see on social media and that's another thing that I want to make clear. Social media tends to make things look a lot more glamorous, easy, um, and more fun than they are typically. And I do think that it does affect people's mindset when they decide to go into the horse world professionally. And that's largely what I wanted to focus this podcast around because I think that riders are disadvantaging themselves to go into, like, I want to be a horse trainer and just have such a glamorized view of what the job's going to be like. And then a lot of them end up getting burnt out and some of them quit riding altogether or they just realize like crap this isn't what I wanted and then if you don't have a backup plan for a different job that you can go into if you realize it's not working for you then it just adds so much stress to your plate so I want to kind of talk about the reality of it because I think a lot of people who love riding and who might have their own horse and ride in lessons and do stuff like that or maybe you just take lessons or lease or whatever you're doing you're riding kind of on your own accord and it's not a job yet. I find that a lot of people 
who want to train assume that the exact feeling they get from riding their personal horses or their lease horses or riding strictly for fun or choosing when to take lessons, when to go to shows, when to do this, when to do that, they expect to get that exact same feeling when they're working it as a job, which just simply isn't true. Um, As soon as you take the hobby, like this isn't to say that people who are showing on their own horses and taking showing seriously are only doing it as a hobby and there's no sport aspect involved. It's to say that it's more leisurely if you're just choosing to do it on your own accord and you're not having to factor in riding 10 plus other horses or riding horses that you may not necessarily even enjoy riding. Like it takes away your choice to put it simply. Like you don't get to just choose like, oh, I'm going to take the day off today. My horse can have the day off. You can't do that when you're getting paid to work people's horses full time. Or if you're just like, oh, like I'm sick today. I have the flu. Like you don't really get sick days because it's not like there's anyone else that can replace you. People are specifically paying you to work for their horses. So you don't have a replacement that can step in if you get sick or injured. Um, And then also, like, riding, like, one horse or two horses or just, like, a couple of your own horses, even if it's every day, is a lot easier than having to travel and, like, work horses who might be difficult. And it it, it just becomes a job. To put it simply, like, if you're getting into training, it will feel like a job even if you love what you do. It is a job. You'll be tired on days. There's going to be days where you don't want to get on certain horses or days where you'd rather stay in bed because you're just so bloody exhausted and if you go into it expecting it not to be like that you may find that you become fried especially if you're starting off your career working under other trainers because the horse world even if you're working in like stable management work and not doing training it's notoriously terrible not only for pay but treatment of employees and the level of work that you're expected to do for in my opinion what's too low of an income for most of what people are expecting even for like stall mucking jobs I like I think that barn workers are vastly underpaid for like the level of work that they're expected to do because it's a lot of work to clean a whole barn out and it's also dangerous to work with horses especially if you're riding them or handling them often on the ground and working with young and unpredictable horses so the way like where I'm coming from is you First of all, you have to really love horses and be sure that this is what you're wanting to do. But also, long term, if you're not getting compensated enough to make it worth the risks and to allow yourself to like have a nice, happy, normal life, then I personally don't think it's worth it. So with that said, if you're going to get into working with horses, expect to be exhausted. Expect people not always to treat you very nicely because honestly, like working with horses, especially in training, it's not just working with the horses. You have to deal with people too, which can honestly be terrible. It can be terrible. Some people are really mean. Like you see the types of things people comment to me online. Opening yourself up as a professional only increases those types of criticisms because people assume that they have the justification to treat you like crap just because you're offering a service and a lot of the people who are rude aren't even people that are demanding the service from you so you just have to deal with all sorts of people some difficult some absolutely lovely like you'll meet amazing people for sure in the horse world there's been so many people who have really cared about my development as a trainer and a rider and have totally stepped in to help me out and just done completely and utterly selfless and amazing things 
and I'm so grateful for those people, but working with horses is working with people, and this means that you're going to have to deal with people who aren't necessarily the most fun people to be around, and if you don't have good people skills, you're going to end up suffering in the horse world because a lot of people get into working with horses, assuming that that's all it's going to be and they're not going to have to deal with people, but then they're surprised when they have to surprise deal with the owners of the horses because obviously everyone is involved in the improvement of their horse and wants to be a part of that. So anyways, basically be prepared to work with people and be prepared to have to deal with people you may not particularly like or that you find hard to deal with because that's life. Um, And that's what it's like training horses. It's not always going to be all fun and games. And then on the obvious side of things, working with the horses. Now, if you're training, especially when you're just starting out, you're not going to be getting on the really fancy, well-schooled, amazing horses that are just a dream to ride and can do freaking Grand Prix dressage and Grand Prix show jumping and have all the bells and whistles and are basically driving a Lamborghini. When you're starting out, people aren't going to really want you on these horses because you're just starting out as a trainer and you need to build your reputation and your clientele. So generally speaking, you're getting paid nothing when you're first getting on horses. Like I used to ride and start horses for free under other trainers when I was just starting out because I wanted the references. So I'd ride horses for free for my friends and they wouldn't be well broke and they'd be kind of dangerous, but I'd do it for free because I needed the references. So anyways, you're getting paid nothing or very little to get on horses that either aren't broke or aren't very well broke and may be difficult and... It's obviously a risk because they're dangerous and they might not always be pleasant to ride. Like I've had horses who have been said to be broke and then I've gotten on them and they've completely exploded when I got on them. Um, So that's another thing to consider is that first of all, you shouldn't believe everyone when they say that their horse is broke because everyone has a different idea of broke and also some people just lie. So for your own safety, you should be expecting to get on horses that aren't going to be what you were told that they're going to be. And they might just be honestly terrible. So that's another part of training that you're going to have to deal with is in the beginning, especially depending on who hires you, you're going to have to consider if it's worth the risk to get on the horse. Because if it's someone that would be an excellent reference, then you might have to tough it out and keep working with horses that you're not necessarily wanting to work with but you need the reference and if you turn them down it'll be a problem um and also you're just putting yourself at risk and if you injure yourself then you can't work your job so that's another huge consideration for training is that all it takes is one bad fall and if it puts you out of commission then you have no paycheck um and employment insurance for someone working with horses is very expensive because of how high risk our jobs are so it's honestly not even worth it to try to get it because it takes such a huge portion of your income each month on top of taxes and everything else um so yeah like I haven't paid for that because I could probably save more my for myself and without having to give the company that does it a cut of what I'm earning and it's like a massive cut So injury is a huge concern in the horse world because if you're injured, you're screwed and you don't get money. Um, And then you have to find another job that you can do while you're injured. And yeah, it's it's just difficult. 
Um, so starting out isn't fun because you're not always getting on good horses. Like the one thing to consider is that the super lovely, amazing horses, like if you've been fortunate enough to ride dead broke less than horses or release a really great well-schooled horse or even riding your own horse even if it's not particularly well-schooled it's a horse that you know super well and have handled for a while probably so it's still different but people who are paying for trainers and training rides they're usually doing it because their horse has a problem or something that needs to be worked with and everyone has varying degrees of what they view as a problem there's riders that don't want to deal with anything so the horse could be in theory really quiet and awesome and it could go great or the horse could be a nightmare and the train the person's paying you to train the horse because they don't want to risk being injured or they're afraid of it um which is way more common than you might think So as a trainer, you're not getting the horses that will be the most fun to ride. And usually when they start getting to that point, you won't be getting paid to ride them as much. So you don't always get to reap the benefits of the hard work you did because a lot of people don't want to keep paying for training once the horse is fixed. Or at least they don't want to keep paying for it full time or as frequently as they might have been doing before. So As a trainer, you might not always be getting the most awesome and amazing to handle and ride horses, and some of these horses could be utterly frustrating, and they might make you really question why you got into this job, but when you start to fix them, it is rewarding, and that's kind of what separates the boys from the men in the sense that you'll see whether or not this job is for you. Um, And then the other thing I do want to say is that obviously with trainers, There are so many different trainers that people can pay to work with their horses, especially if you're in a really horsey area. There's lots to choose from. So there's a lot of competition. So you need to be able to set yourself apart from other trainers. And in the beginning, usually this is with your rates. So you have to take a hit by not charging as much as someone who's more accomplished and has built the clientele would charge. Because if someone has like a ton of references saying they're great people are way more likely to want to pay a higher rate for them than someone they've never heard of and that's kind of what it's going to be like starting out as a trainer um so that's the other thing to consider is being able to make enough of an income to make it worth your while um a lot of people that do train say that they love it and even if they don't break even or if or even if they're just breaking even it's like fine but for me if i wasn't making the money that I'm making now, I probably would have to find a different job long term. Um, horses are just too high risk and the risk of injury is just too huge to not make a healthy income from it. That's just my take on it, even though I love horses and I would rather work with horses than work in like an office job or something. But at the end of the day, if the pay doesn't reflect the risks that I'm taking and the amount of physical labor that I'm putting in, then It's not something I'm particularly interested in, which is also largely why before I got into horses, I was working like before I got into training horses, I should say I was always riding. But before I got into training horses professionally, I worked predominantly in the restaurant industry and food service. And obviously, like the pay there isn't amazing, but you also get tips on top of it. And as far as like physical labor and danger of the job goes, it's way less than what training horses is so even though the income was less I feel like the income was sufficient for the amount of work that I had to put in and the amount of risk I was taking in working the job if that makes sense so 
that's definitely something to consider with training and then the other thing to consider is as a trainer what direction do you want to go do you want to be predominantly working with training horses do you want to produce prospects do you want to break horses to ride or do you want to teach people um and if you want to teach people the next question is are you good at explaining concepts to people because as a coach if you're very in tune with what people are doing and you're able to pick up on what they're doing wrong and you're able to explain things very well you don't even necessarily need to be as strong of a rider as some of the professional trainers are who are producing horses you could teach really well and teach better than people who may be phenomenal riders even if they're technically better riders than you um and you could teach better than them if you're a good teacher So that's another thing to consider is if you're able to explain things really clearly and connect with people, training people on horses rather than training the horses themselves is often a really great way to go because it's a lot different. Being able to ride a horse and train them only requires you to communicate with the horse really other than base level explaining what you're doing to the owner if they ask obviously. But It's a lot easier if you're capable of riding the horse to just get on and fix the problem yourself than it is to try to teach someone how to fix it themselves. So they're two very different jobs. And obviously, a lot of trainers who train horses end up training students um, and vice versa. But it's just something to consider because not everyone who can ride can teach and not everyone who can teach can ride as well as they teach. Um, So it, it makes it a good idea to get into if you're not as comfortable riding really green and reactive horses and don't want to get into the high risk nature of that it makes it a really good consideration if you still want to work with horses and people the other thing with training too is that in order to get into training you need to talk to other professionals ideally job shadow if you can or get like a working student position or apprentice with one or go in a lengthy lesson program and just kind of be under their wing as like a mentor and see what they do um because what's really important for people who want to get into the horse world on a professional scale is that they're realistic with themselves with their abilities and set realistic goals because just speaking from experience, like I've been online and social media and I've worked with horses for a while and I've seen a lot of what people have been posting, advertising their services and so on and so forth. And there are quite a few people who will start trying to seek out getting payment for training when they're probably not qualified to train the horses. And this either results in them completely blowing their reputation as a trainer or potentially ruining horses or both. Because if you bite off more than you can chew, it creates a pretty big problem. And a lot of owners may be too trusting of what other people say their experience is. So my recommendation would be to be really honest with what level of horses you're ready to take on when you do start offering services. Um, And if a horse is too much for you, don't pretend to the owner that it's fine and don't keep taking their money. It's not worth it um, to risk hurting yourselves or ruining the horse and having potentially what could be a big lawsuit from the owner and then that's obviously the other thing too is when you're training you want to be insured because 
all it could take is for a horse to stumble and do something that horses do and injure itself and then you have a potential lawsuit on your hands even if it's not your fault or what if you ride the horse and they're fine but then they do something out in the field and hurt themselves and the owner decides to blame you so these are all things to consider it's a very high risk thing in that aspect because people with horses especially with horses who are accident prone or who have done something that really damages their ability to be used as a riding horse they're gonna want to look for someone to blame um and you don't want that person to be you so cover all your bases even if you trust your clients and think they're nice people because it's not worth the risk of having someone trying to come after you for something that's not your fault and even with that said in training horses can injure themselves and it doesn't necessarily make it the fault of the rider so cover your bases get your insurance and also, just don't start accepting payment for riding until you have insurance or until you're ready to give up your amateur status. Um, you can build your references without accepting payment, even if it sucks not to get paid for something, but that's probably the way to go until you're sure that you want to become a professional because once you give up your amateur status you can't get it back for two years and if you're someone who shows a lot and would have wanted to do amateur statuses two two years could be quite a while to wait to be able to enter amateur classes anyways um yeah so basically in short you just want to <laughs> Really consider that working with horses is what you want to do and remember that no matter how much you love doing something, as soon as it becomes a job, it will start to feel like a job. Like I'm tired all the time. I enjoy my breaks. It's not like I'm like raring to go drive 45 minutes to go ride a bunch of horses when I'm tired or when I'm sick. And like honestly, I work when I'm sick all the time because I often get sick. I've had coughs. I've had a fever when I've had to ride. And like you guys could be like, oh, Shelly, you should just take the day off. That's stupid. But no, I've gotten used to it. And if I can get the job done, I will get it done because I can't afford to just be taking days off for like a cold. And it's not like a normal job where you can just call in sick and have it not be a big deal. Like if you call in sick too much, people are going to find a new trainer. So you really have to pick and choose. Um, and that's honestly one of the biggest downfalls of working with horses is that you don't get holiday pay on holidays and you don't really get to take holidays off a lot of the time and you don't get sick days. So you're having to work a lot harder with less benefits than other places may have. Um, but the trade-off is that you get to work with an animal that you really like and the work is really rewarding. But it's not all glamorous when you're riding your horses because you have to keep them in a program and you have to get off and like vomit off the side of their shoulder and then get back on. I've literally done that on my own horses and it's not fun. Anyways, that's something to consider is if you get sick a lot or if you want to be able to take sick days or if you want holidays off or if you want to get holiday pay, you may want to consider another line of work because very, very few horse jobs will ever pay you holiday pay. Um, and just speaking from experience, like I'm sure some trainer somewhere might charge a holiday rate, but the vast majority of them don't. So like personally, I'm not going to charge people a holiday rate. If I decide to work on holidays, that's my job. And it's something that I'll do to keep clients and keep them in work and keep making that bread, you feel? Anyways, so... Like, I encourage people to work with horses if they feel like that's something they really want to do, 
but given the nature of the industry and how dangerous working with horses is, my recommendation is to always have a backup plan, always have a fallback. Um, For me, that fallback is that I want to get into journalism and writing um, professionally. So I'm taking like for my school, like I'm taking my time in university. I haven't finished yet um, and I've been taking time off from university currently. But I'm t- going for a double major in English and journalism. And when I return, I'm also probably going to try to take some business courses because I think that would really help me um, in doing what I'm currently doing. But the reason behind taking those courses is firstly because I want my degree. But secondly, then if I ever had a career-ending injury, God forbid, or had to be out of commission for a while, or just decided that I no longer want to professionally work with horses and I'd rather just hang out with my own horses then I have something else I can do and it's not going to lead me to mass panic of being like oh my god I don't have a job I don't have anything to fall back on what am I supposed to do so that's something to also consider with horses because there's it's just such a high risk job that you can't pretend that you're never going to be at risk of something going completely wrong that might render you unable to continue doing the job the same way that you have been able to do in the past um But yeah, like overall, like there's not any job that I would personally rather do um, because I make good money for my age and I'm honestly making more than what my friends who finish their degrees are currently making in their jobs outside of university. So for me, there's not a massive appeal to like rush to finish my degree and probably get paid less than what I'm making right now. Um, so I guess this is to say that you don't need to go to university to get a good job, but you should be educated on what you can reasonably make in your area and ensure that you're going into whatever area of work you decide to go into with your eyes open and not with an idealistic view. Because bottom line, when something becomes a job, no matter how much you like doing it as a hobby, it's different. It's never going to be the same riding horses for work as it is when you just get to enjoy your horse and take your time. Because for the most part, even when you're in a training program and you're working with your horse, there isn't the same form of pressure. You're not working with someone else's horses. There's no other person's expectations other than maybe your trainer or your parents involved which obviously can be a lot and they might be unrealistic at times too but accepting money from someone to do stuff with their horse brings in their expectations and there are a lot of clients and stuff that could have completely unrealistic expectations and you still need to abide by your own morals and ethics and be honest with people or decide just not to train with people if your morals and ethics don't line up. And that's one of the hardest parts of working with horses is dealing with these moral dilemmas like that and deciding like who you want to be in the horse world and how you want to handle it. Um, so yeah, like I just want to, like I wanted to make this podcast to talk a bit about that and tell people that it's not like, like, I hate getting comments on my things that are like, oh, you're so lucky you have my dream job. You never, like, it's not even like working. And it's like, no, like, it is a job and I work very hard for what I do. And I know people don't mean badly in saying that, but it kind of dumbs down what I'm doing a bit because I'm working my tail off. Like, I work so much and I've done a lot to try to get to where I am in life. 
Um, and I'm proud of that, but I don't want people looking at what I'm doing and thinking it's a big game or something because then they're going to go into their own life with unrealistic expectations. And I just want it to be like straight up, like, this is what it's like, um, that kind of thing. So I hope this was helpful for you guys. I want to eat a cinnamon bun now. So I'm going to cut this short because I don't think you guys want to hear me chewing a cinnamon bun. Um, but anyways, as always, like if you have any questions, I often have question tabs on my Instagram and I do try to get around to comments and stuff, but sometimes they get buried because there's a lot of notifications to go through or sometimes I'm just really stressed and tired after a day of getting bullied by horses. So I don't have it in me to answer them. So don't take it personally, but I hope this gave you guys some insight on if you want to get into the horse world and yeah, anyways. See ya.